You know, leading to these coming weeks of the National Hockey League season restarting, I thought a lot of this was going to be on divisional breakdowns, team analysis, and finding out, you know, what I like about a team, what I don't like about a team, and not expecting this much news and this much action to take place leading up to the season. But we've got a lot of it today. Let's get into it. Episode 33 of the Second Thoughts Podcast. Let's go. And welcome in once again to the Second Thoughts Podcast. If this is you know the first time that you've been listening, welcome in. If you've been listening since day one, welcome back. My name is Kyle Grimard. Uh, whether you're streaming on, on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, I appreciate it. If you're listening on a different platform, I know those are a little bit more specific. So thank you for going out of your way to listen to me on this uh on this podcast where we are 33 episodes in. Uh, if you want to follow along, Instagram and Twitter, it's at Second Thoughts P. And every Friday night, like I do for the you know last f- month or so, uh, I go on a platform on 980 CFPL News. That's a news station based out in London, Ontario. Uh, I joined Mike Stubbs, voice of the London Knights, just after 7 o'clock to talk all things National Hockey League. And I got to tell you, tonight's going to be a busy one. There's lots of news, lots of notes going on around the league. Uh, And like I said, I joined him just after 7 o'clock on 980 CFPL News. I'll I'll tag them when I post this on, uh, on Instagram and Twitter. But... You know, we have our divisional breakdowns today. We're going to go over the Pittsburgh Penguins, the Philadelphia Flyers, the New York Rangers, and the Washington Capitals. Um, You know, normally I would just be getting right into this and, you know, because, you know, the divisional breakdowns would have been kind of the only thing that, you know, would be going on. But there's just been so much news. There's been so many notes going on that, you know, we've, we've, We've got to get to a few things before we do these divisional breakdowns. And, you know, I'll, I'll try to get into them uh, a little bit and not spend too much time just because I feel like at this point a lot of people have already heard of it. Let's start with this new story here. And uh, this was one that happened a few days ago, but it was just so wholehearted. I couldn't not post about it. And this comes out of the camp of the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, Flyers forward Oscar Lindbaum made a huge announcement earlier this week. This was about three days ago saying that on social media, he was cancer-free just over one year of being diagnosed with Ewing's sarcoma. He just posted, what a year. He uh, he said, 369 days ago, we found out that Oscar had cancer, and today we got to know that the scans are clear after his second checkup. This was from his, uh, his wife. Uh, you know, it, it was easy enough. So last season... Back in December, he was leading the Philadelphia Flyers in goals with 11 through 30 games before leaving the team to receive the diagnosis back in December. Um, He had finished treatments over at Pentacle Center on July 2nd and was able to suit up for the Flyers actually in the postseason. He averaged over 17 minutes of ice time over the two games in the second round against the Islanders, which was just crazy to believe. This was before he was even cleared of cancer in general. Um, you know, he talked about it on NHL.com. He said, it's been everything. The teammates have talked to me as if I'm still with the team, even if I'm not there. Those tough weeks when I felt so bad for trying to think about life and they'd call me, text me, help me through and get some energy. Um, you know, it helped me through the entire process. If there is anything taken out of 2020, we've seen all kinds of, you know, bad news stories and, and horrible things that have transpired in the world. If there was a good news story to come out of it, 
it was this one. It was Oscar Limbaugh's fight, and, you know, he kind of stayed out of the media. You know, he only really posted about it on his specific pages, and finally, you know, just a few days ago, we get the news just over a year of being diagnosed with Ewing sarcoma. Oscar Limbaugh is cancer-free, and, you know, like I said earlier, if he can get back to the level of play where he was before he took his leave, leading the team in goals, I mean, that's a huge addition to the Flyers that they didn't have to trade for, they didn't have to sign, he's just been a part of that roster, but regardless of all that, we are just so happy to hear that he is cancer-free, and he'll be looking forward to hopefully getting back on the ice real soon. Now, a couple other stories that came out were were a little bit tougher, and we're going to start with this one coming out of the Washington Capitals camp. Henrik Lundqvist will not be suiting up for the Capitals this season due to a heart condition he announced yesterday. He said that he had gone to medical, he had gone and gotten several treatments, he had gone to certain doctors, and they determined that it's best if he doesn't play through the upcoming campaign following weeks of testing. Uh, he'll spend the next coming months figure out what his plan is going forward. He said in a big post, for the past two months, I've been so inspired by the opportunity to play in D.C. and committed to my game, spending every day at the rink to prepare for the season. But the news was di- very difficult to process. But after the last test result earlier this week, we knew there was only one way to go from here. He just said he wanted to thank the Capitals organization for not only giving me an opportunity, but also their support through this entire process. Uh, I'll take the next few weeks to be back with my family, and I'll be back to share the next steps. Um he signed a one-year, $1.5 million contract this past season after being bought out by the Rangers in September. Um, you know, he was, you know, a lot of players were looking forward to playing with him and having that experience behind, you know, the the goaltender who's going to be the starter for them and Ilya Samsonov. You know, just kind of that, you know, reliable backup goaltender in case Samsonov gets off to a rough start. They've got that veteran back there, uh, but ultimately he won't be there. Um, you know, to be honest with you, I didn't hear anything, you know, prior to, you know, these last little while about him having a heart condition. You know, it was always steady play each and every season from King Henrik. And I, I, I don't remember him ever having any, you know, real bad injury history. I, I, I specifically don't remember him having any heart issues, but I think with the pandemic, I think it was never a problem beforehand for him, but I think with the pandemic, it kind of elevates things a little bit, and with everything going on, he probably just thought, at this point, it's not worth the risk, because obviously, you know, COVID-19 hits you pretty hard as it is. If you have any sort of of ailments, you have any treatments in the past, it only elevates the the symptoms, and for, for Henrik Lundqvist, at 38 years of age, towards the end of his career, he just thought it was not the best idea to move forward. I love the fact that Every single player basically on the Capitals reached out over social media, in person, and said, listen, health is 100% the most important thing. That was from Alex Ovechkin. Tom Wilson reached out to him, too. The entire Caps organization. And, you know, teams from around the league. The Carolina Hurricanes, the Rangers, obviously, uh, the Maple Leafs. And almost, again, from from one team to the next, every team reached out, um, you know, understanding the the difficulty of, of walking away when you know it's the right thing to do, but when it's so tough because you still, you know, he's still in search of a cup. And that's why, you know, when he went to Washington, he thought he had an opportunity to maybe get there after all these seasons. So we just hope that Hank gets better. He's able to, you know, find the right treatments and whatnot. And and hopefully, you know, maybe come back and play another season or two. But again, it's tough when you have a heart you know, situation at, at such an old age, not old in general, but old in terms of hockey. One can only hope he has an opportunity to come back and play. And I mean, if not, I mean, you go over his stats and, and they are 
absolutely impeccable all the time that he spent over with the New York Rangers. 15 years in Broadway. He had 459 wins. He's That's good for six all-time. He has a career 918 save percentage, and he won the Vezina Trophy back in 2011-2012. He was a finalist for the, world, uh, for the award sorry, on four separate occasions. So this dude has been an absolute rocket and net for wherever he has gone, specifically uh, in New York, where up until this point had spent all of his career. Here's hoping that he can find his treatment and uh, and maybe we'll see one more look of Hank back on the ice in the near future. And then, you know, last story, there's there's a lot of them going on. Uh, you know, the last real news story out there was, um, you know, the retirement of forward Alex Steen from the St. Louis Blues. He called it a career after 15 NHL seasons. This was also announced yesterday. Steen posted a release saying, this has been an emotional process, but I look back on my years of hockey. I'd like to thank our organization, our city, our fans, and my teammates. I am so proud of all the teams I was a part of. Uh, he did have one more year left on his contract at $5.75 million but the Blues already placed him on long-term IR because of an injury that he sustained. He has um, multiple back injuries. He has several uh, degenerative herniated discs of his lumbar spine, if you can kind of understand what that means if, if you're any sign of doctor but uh you know he's 36 years of age. He only played 55 games this past season, only playing in four postseason games. Was drafted by the Leafs, um, you know, played with them for a very long time. I uh, won a Stanley Cup with the Blues in 2019, won a silver medal with Sweden at the Sochi Olympics. Um, you know, and Steen was always a guy, steady Steen. You know, he had career highs uh, at points in the season where he was the 30 go 35 goal scorer. Always a very steady, reliable player each and every season. I remember, too, when, when Toronto made that trade with St. Louis and sent Steen over to the Blues, that's where he really blossomed as a player and really became a reliable top six forward. At times, you know, on their top line for a, a couple of years, he was, um, you know, always a guy who was, you know, he's a, he was a dangerous player out there. And, you know, regardless of whoever the teammates he played with, he was a guy that was always relied upon for 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 big minutes, for for big goals, and you know I was super happy for him when he had it when they won the Stanley Cup in 2019, and you know he's a phenomenal career for Alex Steen, you know a guy who definitely was not an easy decision. Played in over a thousand NHL games, he had 622 points, and uh, you know just want to wish the best of uh, of luck to wherever life. Uh, leads him in all of his endeavors moving forward. But uh, yeah, Alex Dean calling it quits after 15 years as well. A couple other uh, news and notes to get around to. We finally have some action in the free agency um, area as Panthers signed forward Anthony Duclair to a one-year deal worth reportedly $1.7 million. This was, again, also announced yesterday. So he's only 25 years of age. Have this as well. He was an unrestricted free agent um, after the Ottawa Senators declined to give him a qualifying offer. Uh, the Panthers general manager, Bill Zito, said in a statement, Anthony is a dynamic and highly skilled player who is capable of being a dependable offensive contributor for our team. Uh, Duclair this past season notched career highs and goals with 23. He added 17 assists in 66 games. He was very um, sought after in the trade deadline too. You know, it, Ottawa wasn't a team going to the postseason. A lot of teams were looking for some depth scoring and Duclair was a guy who was on a, a lot of the team's top lists. Um, a deal never transpired. Now, I heard a rumor too that Back before the season started, Ottawa had offered Duclair a deal. It was like four years at $3.5 million or $4 million or something in that area. I could be wrong, but I was hearing, I was seeing rumors online about it. And he turned it down. 
looking for a, an opportunity to play. I don't know if I believe those rumors, to be honest with you, because up until last season, like I said, he scored a career high in goals last season. He was never a guy that hit that mark before. So it's tough to imagine a team offering him upwards of $4 million. Now, I understand the potential part of it too, only being 25 years old. But nevertheless, he gets a one-year deal going to Florida, a team too that, you know, doesn't doesn't bring back Mike Hoffman, who's a 30-goal scorer in his own right. So he's probably going to have a chance to maybe fill somewhat of that void, not the full thing. But, you know, Duclair's got a really good chance of playing, you know, in a top six role, either on the first line or the second line, and maybe play some power play minutes. And, you know, Alexander Barkoff and Jonathan Hubert are there. So, you know, they'll have a chance. It's funny. So Mike Hoffman is not on a team right now. Evgeny Dadanov, who played for Florida last year, signs with Ottawa at a three-year contract at $5 million per season. And then Duclair now goes to Florida on a one-year deal. So they swap the players. So it's going to be kind of fun, you know, watching both players back and forth, seeing who is the better signing or who has the better season. Uh, it's obviously based on money as well, but it's uh, it's going to be fun seeing those players switched off. But great signing by Florida, great value too. And a guy who can put the back puck in the back of the net and there's a void of Mike Hoffman not being there, he has a chance to duplicate what he did last year and also probably improve off of what he did too. So uh, good on him there. And then uh, last thing we'll talk about here is the uh, Calgary Flames signing defenseman Oliver uh, Kylington to a one-year, one-way contract worth $787,000. His entry-level contract expired in 2019-2020. He's only 43 or 23 years of age, sorry. He played in 48 games for the Flames last season. He had a couple goals, five assists, playing just over 13 minutes time on the ice. But here's the thing with Calgary. You know, the Flames don't have TJ Brody. They lost him to a deal. So looking at Calgary's back end, on the left side, you've got Mark Giordano, you've got Noah Hannafin. On the right side, you've got Rasmus Anderson, you've got you know uh, Chris Tanev, and now you bring in uh, Kylington, and you've also got some other guys in your system. Calgary's defense, despite the fact that they lost Brody, still finds a way to always be you know a, a very good top four dependable defensive structure. I think this is a good you know depth signing for them. God forbid injuries happen. This is a guy who can play on their bottom pair behind Giordano and uh, Hannafin and you know played in 48 games so has you know a decent amount of NHL experience and you know as he gets older as he develops a little bit more maybe he grows if there's an injury that takes place he can step up and play into that top four role with the team but he probably won't be asked of it right out of the gate and uh you know he was a second round pick back in 2015 so you know he's a high, he was a highly you know drafted player. So there is definitely some potential to a guy like that. Defensemen take longer to develop. Do you know it's not like the NFL where quarterbacks come in year one and they dominate, or they're not like first overall picks in the NHL where they come in right away and they make immediate impact. So only twenty three, still got room to improve. Maybe he takes a step. Maybe takes a step this year and next year moving forward. But Calgary uh, just kind of solidifying the rest of their roster. Now, there was some other news and notes, you know, around the league talking about, you know, uh, play to action and when things get back going about the NHL could play solely in the U.S. if the all-Canadian division gets nixed. Um, I'll get into all of this once things are solidified. I kind of talked about it in the last few episodes of the podcast about, you know, the season potentially still starting on the 13th of January, uh, 56 games. That's what both sides, the NHL and the NHL 
PA have come to an understanding for, but nothing has been signed. Nothing's actually official yet. This is just kind of what the, the plans are looking like. Um, we'll be hearing something in, in the very near future in the next couple weeks kind of leading up to it because players are basically at this point ready to go. They've got their bags packed. They're just sitting by the door waiting for the announcement to be made so that they can go and train with their teams. Um, you know, teams have already kind of gotten into training camps, expected to play, but uh, you know, until things get really solidified, you know, I'm not going to really go in and and talk about how, you know, teams can be only be playing in the U.S. or anything like that. I will wait for things to come to fruition before actually discussing it. Uh, but with all that said and done, let's get into some divisional breakdowns. And with today's divisional breakdown, we're going to go over the second half of the Atlantic Division and Metro Division mashup. Uh, on the last episode, we covered uh, the, you know, the Boston Bruins, the New York Islanders. We talked about the Buffalo Sabres and the New Jersey Devils. And then for today, we're going to go over the Washington Capitals, the Philadelphia Flyers, the Pittsburgh Penguins, and the New York Rangers. So all four of these teams this past season were in the Eastern Metro Division. All have been kind of moved over in a little bit of a mix match with, uh, with the Atlantic. And... I'm just going to go in order here and just kind of go down the list. And I'll, I'll start here. I'll start with the New York Rangers. So the New York Rangers are a very, very interesting team. Last season was going to be the rebuild season. You know, they were a younger squad. Yes, they did sign a, um, you know, Artemi Panarin. But you didn't know how it was going to gel. You didn't realize the blow up of Mika Zibanejad. Ryan Strom took a big step as well. But the, uh, the New York Rangers finished this past season with a 37-28-5 record. They were still 7th in the Metro, but the Metro was tough. Um, but this was a fun team to watch last year. They were 5th in goals at over 3.3 per game. Shots on goal, they, you know, they had over 31 shots a game. Power play was top 10. Uh, shooting percentage was very good. Um, you know, defensively, they kind of struggled a little bit. Goals allowed in the bottom third of the league. Shots on goal, bottom third. Penalty kill, bottom third. So defensively, this is where this team kind of struggled a little bit. Now, they made some changes, obviously, with the buyout of Henrik Lundqvist and when they won the lottery and they drafted Alexis Lafreniere. That drastically changed their team. Now, in net, this team is solid. You've got uh, Alexander Gorgiev and Igor Shesterkston, who, you know, you kind of go back and forth on both guys. Both guys this past postseason or the play-in series played in the, you know, the, I guess you call them the playoffs, the play-in, but whatever you call it. Both guys, very young, but got some playoff experience. Um, I imagine the season will start with the Rangers playing Alex Gorgiev. He's re-signed on a two-year deal with $4.85 million dollars. He's only 24 years of age. Uh, this past season, pretty solid in the regular season. And 34 games was 17, 14, and 2. Now, goals against was over 3, but he had a 9-10 save percentage. And again, this was just about the team defense as a personnel. Just couldn't keep the puck out of the net. While Igor Shesterkson actually was spectacular. 12 games because of injury and whatnot, but he was 10-2 with a 2.51 goals against and a 9.32 save percentage. So my understanding, and Shesterkson, by the way, played um, in a must-win game against the Hurricanes back in August. 
It's going to be a tandem, but they're going to ride with the hot hand with these two young guys. And I can only imagine too, I know both are signed right now, but at some point, one of them's going to take the, the starting goaltending gig. And the other one is going to be sitting there as a very capable goaltender who could probably be a starter on about half of the other teams. So I'm thinking that one of them is going to get dealt. My money is still on Georgiev. There was a lot of chatter about him being traded this past season and in the year before that. Um, his re-signing for them doesn't solidify he's going to stay there for the two years. All it does is give him term and very reasonable term too. He is at $2.425 million. That's his cap hit for the next two seasons. Someone's going to look at that and think it's great and they could get maybe a second, even a first round for a guy like that. And this is a team who's already littered with young talent surrounded by good vets too. I This is again, when you look at teams that rebuild, some teams take a lot longer to do it, right? Because they don't, things have to fall into place for you. You got to get a little bit lucky in a rebuild. The Rangers got lucky in a rebuild. As they were rebuilding or retooling their team, they have two very good young goaltenders who they could build around. Defensively, they traded for Jacob Truba. They also happen to draft a guy like Adam Fox. They've got Anthony D'Angelo, who absolutely crushed it this past season, who signed a two-year, uh, $4.8 million extension for his annual average. He had 53 points in 68 games. On top of that, Artemi Panarin was a smash signing despite the money. He was an absolute stud this past season. Then you've got guys like Pavel Bushnevich and, you know, Capo Kako, who was a high draft pick just a couple, or just last year. Ryan Strom and Mika Zibanejad, who really came into their, their own. Mika Zibanejad had 41 goals this past season and 75 points. No one expected that kind of blow up from him, but he just gelled so well and no, now they add Alexis Lafreniere, who is just a stud. They re-signed Chris Kreider too. Like this team is set up and ready to go. It's as good and quick of a rebuild as I have seen. They will contend in this division despite the other teams that are in it that we're going to be talking about later on. They are on the upward trend. And I talked about this in the last episode of the podcast about... You know, I'm never going to count out, count out the Islanders, but, you know, all this hype is around the Buffalo Sabres and, you know, they got Taylor Hall and they brought in Eric Stahl and they're going to be, they're going to retool and they've got the personnel there with Jack Eichel. But the Islanders are as tough a team to play against as possible. Boston's always around and the Rangers are on the huge upswing with all of this talent too. They're not fun to play against. Um, the Rangers could be a team that squeaks in. They really could. And I like them matching up, especially this year, against teams like Pittsburgh and against teams like the Islanders and teams like Buffalo, um, in Jersey, obviously, too. This is going to be a very fun team to watch. And now you add Lafreniere to the mix. Look out for the Rangers. That's all I'm going to say. Look out for them. There's no drama. There's no three-headed monster in net. They're not going to force-feed starts to Henrik Lundqvist because he's not there anymore. Um... They're going to pick whatever goaltender is, is riding the hottest. They're going to go with him, whether it's Georgiev or Shesterkson. I think Georgiev's going to start the season, but Shesterkson will eventually be the guy that's the regular starter. Uh, let's move on here and let's get to the next team on this. And let's go to the Pittsburgh Penguins. Always a fascinating team. Always a fun team to discuss based on their personnel. So this past season kind of ended on a rough note. Down the stretch, only 3-7 and seven in their last 10 games. They finished off with a 40-23-6 record eventually losing to the Montreal Canadiens in the play-in round. Pittsburgh's always a team where you can never count them out. 
you can't count out a team like Pittsburgh because of two guys, Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin. When you've got those two guys, you always have a chance. You never count the Penguins out of anything. But I will say, they're getting a little bit older. Sidney Crosby, 30, I mean, he's not older, but he's 33, going to be 34 years of age. Evgeny Malkin, kind of same thing. He's 34. Um, You know, these used to be the two horses that were relied upon for such a long time. And, you know, at this point, as you get older... Look at the Washington Capitals. You need other guys around you to step up and play. When they won the cup a couple of years ago, you know, Ovechkin was still the catalyst scoring goals, but Evgeny Kuznetsov stepped up and Tom Wilson stepped up and uh, Devontae Smith-Pelly was huge for them down the stretch and TJ Oshie and Jacob Vrana, like all these other pieces were, were killing it. With Pittsburgh, it's always kind of Crosby and whoever he plays with and then Malkin and whoever he plays with. Not enough times do those guys who they play with step up. Now, Jake Gensel's a great player. He plays with Sidney Crosby a lot. They just traded for Casperi uh, Kapanen, who they look who's going to be playing too with Crosby and Gensel. So that should be a nice fast line for them and maybe gives Crosby another outlet to play against. Um, but if these guys can get going, if they can find a way to get back to some of their older magic they had about three, four years ago, uh, can't count a team like this out. Um, defensively, they made some interesting choices. They didn't re-sign Jack Johnson, but they brought in Cody Cece. Now, I've said enough about Cody Cece when he was with the Toronto Maple Leafs. The fit just wasn't good. The player wasn't great. Things just, they didn't work out for a guy like Cody Cece. He's only 26 years of age. He's 6'2", 210. He's a former first-round pick. It'll be interesting because he doesn't have to play top six or top uh, top minutes with them. He played with Morgan Riley a lot last year in Toronto. Morgan Riley was Toronto's best defenseman by far. So Cody Ceci was playing like 20-something minutes a night. And it was just too much. And Toronto took way too long to realize it before making the change. The Pittsburgh Penguins have Chris Letang, a right-hand shot defenseman who plays like 24, 25 minutes a night. Cody Ceci will not be asked to play that much. Will he play top? four minutes maybe and I'm trying to look at who his partner would be and and right now I wouldn't get the sense because Brennan Dumoulin's on the team and you know Michael Matheson's on the team and maybe he gets paired with one of those guys but a lot of people didn't like the Jack Johnson signing and understandably so he just wasn't a good fit in Pittsburgh and a lot of people are saying the exact same thing about Cody Ceci he's a very interesting player to bring there and does he make them it gives them a body Right, He gives them a body to, to go in and to play. Is it going to improve them defensively? That kind of remains to be seen. It's tough because he's just so young. Like He's not an old player. 26, but I never liked him in Toronto. Uh, Pittsburgh just had this player in Jack Johnson, and then they, they get rid of him, but then they bring in Cody Ceci. Uh, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see. Pittsburgh's a little bit different of a team than Toronto, but nevertheless, the biggest thing for me with Pittsburgh... There is no goalie debate anymore. There's no Matt Murray and Tristan Jari. There's Tristan Jari, who this past season was the better of the two goaltenders. He played 33 games, believe it or not. He played, he started more games than Matt Murray this past season. Matt Murray obviously was signed to Ottawa. Um, He went 2012-1. He had a 2.43 goals against average. So he averaged under two and a half goals per game, which is really good in the NHL. And a 921 save percentage. So he was 
very, very good. Despite the fact that they didn't give him the first start in the postseason. Um, but there's no back and forth anymore. Jari knows he's the guy. He signed a three-year, $3.5 million AAV contract with them. So he's making $3.5 million for the next three years. Um, this is your guy. 25 years of age, good build, 6'2", 194 pounds. Uh, if he can build off of what he did this past season... Oh, by the way, the one game he played in the postseason, Pittsburgh lost one nothing. Give up one goal on 21 shots. Like, Jari is... That's the guy. Tristan Jari is is your guy. There's no debate back and forth anymore. They went out and they've, you know, they have Casey DeSmith still, who's a you know a solid, dependable backup goaltender, 29 years of age. He's a veteran there. That'll be interesting to see. If Jari can keep playing like he did this past season, like I said, with Malkin and with Crosby, maybe you add a couple other pieces to the squad, like like Kasperi Kapanen, Gensel comes back healthy. You sign Frederick Goodrow. Um, Marchankowski's with this team, uh, a first-round pick earlier from the uh, uh, Calgary Flames. You've still got Jason Zucker to play that second role with the team. I'm never counting Pittsburgh out. I'm just going to say that. I don't know. I like the Rangers. I like the Capitals. I like the Islanders. But I'm never, I'm never counting Pittsburgh out of anything because of those two guys. I can't count them out. Uh, next team, the second last team we'll cover here, the Philadelphia Flyers. Now, this was the team that really came on this past season. They uh, they were second in the Metro, 41-21-7 uh, record. Um, over their past 10 games, they went 9-1 and one down the stretch before the stop down of the season. Top 10 team in goals for, top 10 team in power play. Uh, they were the best face-off team, so they always got possession of the puck uh, when, when, when a face-off would, in, would uh, ensue defensively kind of middle actually pretty solid defensively top 10 team in goals allowed top the number one team in shots allowed per game they did not allow a lot of shots uh just outside of the top 10 in pk and and, and a lot of that has to do with with starting a net and you've got a phenomenal tandem in net carter hart and and brian elliott carter hart's your boy Carter Hart is your starter for the next decade. Played 43 games, 24, 13, and 3. Had a 242 goals against, a 914 save percentage. I I remember too when people talked about Carter Hart. And, you know, people saying, oh, you know, he's gonna be, he's gonna be the next uh Carey Price. And everyone was like, whoa, 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 slow down. But then you watched him play, and as a goalie, you can always tell how a goalie is based on their play. Now, sometimes you go on lucky runs. Anton Kudobin was one of those guys. He's a very, you know, 35 years of age and a little bit shorter for a goalie, a little bit older school style of play. When you watch Carter Hart, he is the prototypical goaltender who you want to emulate. That's the guy you want to be. Very positionally sound, not a lot of flailing, not a lot of crazy movements, very good at reading the play and reading the puck. Doesn't give up a lot of rebounds. This is what going to be one of the best goalies for a long period of time. Also, fun note about Carter Hart. He's 22 years of age. In the next, if it's not this year, it's in the next two to three years. He will be uh, known as one of, if not the best goaltender in hockey. That's how much I think of Carter Hart. He is that good of a goaltender. Um... And he's only getting better as time goes on. He basically stole that. He, he was forced into the role and, and lived up to the hype. And, and the, my favorite part about it too, he's a second round pick by the Flyers in 2016. Only second round pick and he's 22 years of age. Uh, up front, this team is loaded with talent. Jake Voracek, 
Um, you've still got Oscar Lindbaum who's coming back, which we talked about earlier. So happy about that story. Um, Travis Konecki, who is a really good player, only 23 years of age, had 61 points this past season. Kevin Hayes came out of nowhere, was a really good player. 23 goals and 41 points. Claude Giroux is still there. You've still got Morgan Frost. You've got Sean Couturier, who's one of the best, if not the best, two-way centers in hockey. Also almost had 60 points in 69 games. Um, I love this team up front. Now, the news with Nolan Patrick, who they also have there. Um, the GM, the focus is to get Nolan Patrick ready for this upcoming season. So Nolan Patrick, who if you can remember from a while ago, uh, was a you know was a, was one of the top picks in 2017. He was the second overall pick. He's only had 26 goals and 35 assists in 145 games. He was one of those guys that was forced into the lineup. You got to remember, some guys are, are able to go right out of the gate and produce at the NHL level. Some guys take time to develop. Nolan Patrick is 21 years old. He has got time to grow, get himself some size, get himself more established, and become a, a, a role player for, the, for this team. If he can kind of get back there and, and be a guy who maybe gets to 40, 50 points a season, that's a, that's a great depth player to have, especially when you've got so many other guys on this team, like Giroux, like Hayes, like Voracek. I didn't even bring up Van Riemsdyk, who could have a bounce back year. Everyone was saying he didn't have a great year this past year. He had 19 goals and 21 assists for 40 points in 66 games. That's about what you expect from JVR. And he really came on the second half of the season. Um, so I love them up front. Defensively, you've got a couple really good, um, you know, really good defensemen back there. You brought in Eric Gustafson. You signed Justin Braun. He's staying back there. You've got uh, Ivan Provorov, who is, you know, he's your guy. He's your number one defenseman. He's 23 years of age. Uh, he's a guy who really took on a big load, averaging over 24 minutes on ice this past season. Uh, I really love him as a, a player and just like statistically as well. 36 points in 69 games, played against the team's top players. Uh, Corsi numbers were good. And then you go and, and you've got another really nice piece in Travis Samheim. Uh, guy who played 20 minutes a night, you know, had 25 goals in 69 games. And I, I this is just a team I really like all around. Um, I'm a big fan of the Flyers. This past season, they kind of came on, took teams by surprise. There will be no surprises anymore from this team. They're here. Their goaltending is secure. Up front, they're a tough team to compete against each and every night. Couturier being one of the best two-way centers in hockey. And defensively, you've got some really nice pieces there. I like Philly this coming season. I know, obvious statement considering they were second in the Metro, but I, I look for them to take an even bigger leap this coming season with everything in place for them and with guys potentially... Uh, playing bigger roles and, and getting better and just having Oscar Lindbaum back. I mean, that's a huge boost to them. And then the final team we'll get to here is the Washington Capitals. Uh, they were first in the Metro this past season. 41 wins, 20 losses, and 8 losses in either overtime or the shootout. Now, the big news, we started things off with them earlier on in the podcast, was the news of Henrik Lundqvist uh, not playing out the season due to a uh, due to a heart condition. But, you know, in general, the biggest thing that this team will, will face moving forward is, is, is their goaltending. You know, they have this young guy named Ilya Samsonov who is, uh, you know, who's, who's their young stud first, first round draft pick in 2015, 23 years of age. This is like their Carter Hart. 
Like he's their first round pick. This is their goalie of the future. 6'3", 208 pounds. Uh, was pretty solid this season. Was 16-6-2. Had a 2.55 goals against. A 9.13 save percentage. Uh, he was kind of being groomed to be the guy. Um, but having that insurance guy in in goaltender Henrik Lundqvist was really great. Now on their team right now, they still have Phoenix Copley. They have Zach Fucali. And then they've got... Uh, Vitek Vanacek, who you know is just is just a roster player. I see them going out and signing another veteran goaltender. Some of the guys on the market right now include uh, Craig Anderson is a player that's still available. That's kind of similar situation to Lundqvist. Ryan Miller is another guy too. He's the oldest active goaltender right now. Uh, he will turn forty this coming uh, you know this 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 coming summer. Um, you know, definitely not the guy he once was, but, you know, an opportunity to, to play a backup role. Jimmy Howard's another guy. Same deal with him. Not the goaltender he once was, but still a capable backup goaltender. And honestly, on a good team, he could be a decent player. He played this past season. So this is tough, too, because Jimmy Howard this past season played for the Detroit Red Wings. The Detroit Red Wings this past season were god-awful. Jimmy Howard was too... 23 and 2. An 882 save percentage, 420 goals against average. But that was on Detroit. If you go to a team like Washington, I guarantee you he can't get worse, but his numbers can definitely be his numbers will get better. That's that's an almost conclusion. If you go from Detroit to Washington, your numbers improve. He's 36 years of age. You can probably get him on a very similar deal you, you got for Henrik Lundqvist. I, I, one of those three guys seems to be the most, seems to be the best bet for them. Um, you know, you could make a trade. Mark Andre Fleury is a guy maybe, and you're not going to go make a trade with the Rangers for Georgiev. Um, but I, I can see them signing a, a veteran goaltender to like a one-year deal at one or one and a half million dollars just to have that safety blanket, that, that the security blanket, the safety net there. God forbid Samsonov doesn't pan out right away. They've got that, uh, they've got that opportunity there. Uh, up front, not a whole lot of changes with this team. You've got the grade eight Alexander Ovechkin. You've got Nicholas Backstrom. You've got Evgeny Kuznetsov. You've got Carl Haglin and TJ Oshie and uh, Jacob Vrana, Tom Wilson. Uh, some of the younger guys who are going to be coming up that may or may not get a chance to play. Connor McMichael, uh, you know, their first round pick from uh, from a year ago, 25th overall. He's going to be playing at the World Juniors. He's going to be a guy to watch. Uh, Lars Eller is another player. You know, just a, a good, solid, deep team. Always a good team in terms of scoring. Um, you know, they, they've always, you know, they're always top five in the league in goals. They were number two this past season. Power play was the weird one. So power play, they were 18th in the league this past season. Normally their power play is like a top 10, top five power play. If their power play, just for the sake of it, goes from 18th to 10th, let's say, they're going to be, they're going to be in another position to make another run for it. I was very, very kind of surprised when I saw that number on their power play because I just, I almost banked. I'm like, all right, so they got a top 10 power play. That's coming back. 18th. So if they could find a way to up that power play again, uh, they're, they're going to have another opportunity on the run. Defensively, you know, fairly solid across the board, except for goals allowed kind of middle of the pack with just over three a game. Their, pro their thing was they scored so much, you know, they allowed a couple more goals in there. Um, defensively, I, I do want to look at this team right now because... 
You know, you got some names to this defense that you're looking at that you recognize, maybe some names you don't recognize. Um, up front, you know, they signed Justin Schultz, and that was kind of their big, when Matt Niskanen retired, the Capitals signed Justin Schultz. I thought it was a lot of money. Two years, $8 million contract. Now, the nice thing, he's playing behind the Norris Trophy uh, you know, candidates and a guy who I thought could have won it this past season in John Carlson, 30 years old, 15 goals, 60 assists for 75 points this past season. What an absolute rock back there for them. You still got Brendan Dillon, a very tough, good defenseman. They re-signed him to a four-year deal at $15.6 million. So he makes reasonable money. Nick Jensen, a guy you brought over in a trade with the uh, Detroit Red Wings. 30 years of age, good solid right-hand shot defenseman. Dmitry Orlov, another really good left-hand shot defenseman, 29, prime of his career, had 27 points this past season. And then Trevor Van Riemsdyk, another guy you got in on a uh, on a on a free agency. Um they they signed him to a one-year eight hundred thousand dollar contract. Like defensively, this team is kind of round up. Uh the one guy I'm looking at right now who uh, would I was really looking forward to watching who's probably not going to play this upcoming season is uh defenseman Michael Kempney. Now he had a he had surgery on his Achilles and is set to miss six to eight months. Now this was back in October, so carve off a couple of years or a couple of months, sorry. So anywhere from four to six months. That basically kind of puts you at the end of the of the regular season. So don't expect him for the Capitals. So when I go through them defensively, your right side, you've got John Carlson, Justin Schultz taking on that second second line, and then Trevor Van Riemsdyk kind of rounding it out. On the left, and then also you've got Nick Jensen, who I, I also forgot about, who's a right-hand shot defenseman. Uh, the left side, you've got Demetri Orloff, you've got Brendan Dillon, um, and I think maybe Trevor Van Riemsdyk goes over and plays the left side, Nick Jensen kind of follows up on that right side, but overall defensively, top to bottom, they've got puck-moving defensemen who, who can score. You've got solid defensive defensemen and guys like Brendan Dillon who are just physical and tough to play against. And then you've got, you know, guys in between who are really good bottom pair defensemen, NHL caliber guys, you know, who are only going to play 14, maybe 13 minutes a night and and do a really good job. So I I love Washington. I, I kind of have a soft spot for them each and every year. But the Capitals are a team that, you know, you look... You know, it all kind of runs through their forward group, and and that is, you know, Alex Ovechkin, Nick Backstrom, Kuznetsov, Oshie, Tom Wilson. Um, Alex Ovechkin is, you know, he's going to have another season where you know they're going to be limited, but this past year, sixty-eight games, forty-eight goals. So if you you break it down, you take out twelve games, you know, he's probably a thirty-goal scorer this upcoming season as well. Um, Nicholas Backstrom, point per game player. If Gennady Kuznetsov, point per game player. This is just, it, it's going to be a team. They're going to give teams problems. It's goaltending. If they can solidify goaltending, if Samsonov comes back and becomes the guy they thought they were, he was going to be awesome. If he's kind of like that Carter Hart situation in Philly, fantastic. If they, you know, he's not there, but they sign a dependable backup goalie and he can carry the load while handing the reins off. The Capitals are in a really good spot. The teams I talked about today, the Rangers, Pittsburgh, Philly, and Washington, the one team I see falling out of that grouping is Pittsburgh. Of the teams I'm looking at here, Washington, Philly are teams that, you know, I I don't think are going anywhere. The Islanders are also going to be tough, but if they don't sign Barzell, that'll be tough. Um, You know, they're in a division where they don't have, you know, the Hurricanes, or they don't have Columbus, um, but the Rangers are a team that could be on the rise. They have the Islanders, who are always a tough team. They've got the Bruins, who are always a really good team. They finished this past season with 100 points. Um, you know, 
Pittsburgh's the team I can see falling out. Just because I'm looking at Washington, I'm like, man, they're just, every year, they're just, they look like an, a juggernaut team. Philly looks super complete. The Rangers look like they have a complete roster from, from top to bottom. Um, be fun to see with that kind of mix mash of Atlantic and Metro teams going at it. But I really like Washington. I like Philly. If Boston can sustain the first part of the season without, uh, you know, um, you know, two of their top players uh, on the perfection line, you know, they're always a team that you have to look at too because they always, you know, they're tough to play against. They got a great system. Uh, I, I, I'm not too high on Buffalo. I'm, I'm going to be straight up with you. I'm not the biggest fan of what they did in the offseason. They just brought in more of what they already had and did not address defense or goaltending. And the Devils are still a big question mark to me. So for that division, you know, if I'm, I'm looking at the top four teams, in my, in my opinion, I think I'd go the Capitals, the Flyers. I'm still going to go with the Bruins and then the Islanders. But right behind them is the Rangers. That's kind of the teams I have in there. And then Pittsburgh, I think, takes a little bit of a dip this season. Um, they got Kapanen, they, they got rid of Murray, but other than that, you know, Pittsburgh just, it's a tough division. Some team at some point's got to fall out. I, I, I said that I never count them out, but if I had to place my money on a wager as to which team will take the biggest drop off, especially in a shortened season, for me, I would have to pick Pittsburgh. I would have to, unless the in, inexperience of the Rangers kind of happens or the Islanders finally hit that decline, but the Islanders this past season have just, they've handled Pittsburgh two years in a row. So I'm riding the hot hand in that one. And uh, next week, I'll get into another divisional breakdown. We'll move over. We are halfway done and so close to the start of the NHL regular season. I am, uh, I'm very much looking forward to it. Okay, so the way it's going to work is next week, you know, with the Christmas break and everything, I'm only going to do one episode of the podcast. I don't know when it's going to be, whether it's going to be Tuesday or Friday, but I think next week I'm only going to do one episode, give myself a break, give myself an opportunity to kind of regroup. And then after that, I'll get back and do two episodes uh, a week. Uh, I might do like a divisional breakdown next week, but I'm not sure yet. But nevertheless, um, we'll have the second half of those coming up, um, you know, on the next few episodes of the show. But next week, it looks like I'm only going to do one episode just just for a week to kind of slow things down, uh, enjoy some time around the holiday season, do some work around the house, spend some time with the girlfriend and just uh, and just enjoy, recoup, relax. And the following week, it looks like I'll get right back into the swing of things. So that is it for today's episode of the podcast. As always, if you want to, you know, subscribe, hit like, you know, give me a good rating on wherever platform you happen to be listening to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. I, I genuinely, I really appreciate it. So thank you very much. I will be on Friday nights tonight with the voice of the Lightning Knights, Mike Stubbs on 980 CFPL News just after seven o'clock. So feel free to tune in if you're in the listening area. And uh, on, on, on social media, if you want to give me a follow on Instagram and Twitter, it is at Second Thoughts P. Appreciate the love as always, and uh, I'll see you next time. But until then, that's a wrap.